Philippians 3, 3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Whoa. Today, we talk about why Paul is definitely not a dog person. This is Day 11. Welcome to the Journey Through Philippians podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Philippians can help us understand more about who God is and the story he's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to day 11. We are on the second half of our journey through Philippians. Halfway there. Brendan Lang is here, of course. Yep. Along with Melissa Payne. Hi. Hey, did you ever have any pets growing up? Did I have pets? Besides all the <laughs> You're cows. You're looking at me. Besides all the cows on the dairy farm. <laughs> on the farm. Those don't count. Any pets. Those had names, actually. Okay, so which oh, one cow was your favorite cow? Fair. Which one would you say we was had your do- pet? My favorite was one named Jenny. Jenny the cow? Jenny the cow. Jen, she was a prize-winning cow. Oh, she man. Was We've got to make shirts. Wait, what makes <laughs> you a prize-winning? Our podcast shirt is going to have Jenny you the get, cow. You get like the ribbons and stuff. What's the criteria That's that they're judged saying. on though? Yeah. We talked about this in our last podcast. How do you always hijack all these questions to be about farming? <laughs> I, It's unbelievable. Because you were looking at me with that. Like you knew you wanted me to take it this <laughs> I just way. wanted to know if you have a pet growing I, up. We had dogs. They lived outdoors, but. Now were wait. they like herding dogs? Like, Would and they... we had bunnies and we had so Chicken? we were of 4-H families. We had all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. I was in 4-H. I did not think of this question with like this in mind. All I was the like, animals? It was a pure intent of, did but you, you have any animals? you ask the question and you look at me first. Like, Brendan, what animals did you have growing up? You did do that. <laughs> I didn't even say animal. Most so you had what? dogs? Yep. Tell us with, about them. I mean, did they mean a lot to you? They lived outside? They would help chase in the cows. I okay, told so you, not they a lot of sentimental. Yeah, <laughs> they had names too. Okay. We had Amigo, we had Gus, we had Tess. Don't know what else. You had lots of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What about you, Melissa? I always had dogs growing up. How many dogs? So we started out with two, and then we had two more, and then we had one, 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 one. So oh, you had a lot of dogs. I had lots of dogs. Did you have like up. what's yep. your favorite pet? Which one was your oh, favorite? Oh man, my favorite. So the first one that I remember was Tippy, and it was because he had a little white tip on his tail. Mm-hmm. And he was a golden retriever. And so he was maybe my favorite. But then Molly, she was a Springer Spaniel. And that was definitely my dad's favorite. And mm-hmm. so she was the one we had for the longest. So gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a couple of dogs growing up. Mm-hmm. I have a dog now. But my first pet was a cat. Her no. name was Rascal. Oh, no. Yeah, she was a rascal. She was and a little you, rascally cat. And then you stopped cat. having cats after Yeah, well, rascal. it turns out I'm allergic. And so <laughs> oh. I was affl- how long did you have Rascal? I was afflicted until I was like eight years old. <laughs> oh, wow. But before that, Rascal was like, had the spirit of an outdoor cat, but lived indoors. Oh. So it would like get in fights and then come back with like half her rear end gone. And we'd be like, what happened to you? At one point she ran away for nine months and then came back. Are you serious? What? Yeah. And then she just we, came back on her own. A neighbor found her and brought her back over. Wow. And you kept her and until, oh, until she <laughs> passed away. Yeah. <laughs> That's the nice thing to do. Until it. she went to the farm. I mean, yeah. she wasn't she definitely wasn't the same after that. Yeah. We were not cat people. We were definitely dog people. We found out that we were not cat people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently Paul is not a dog person. No. Nope. Which is what we're gonna talk about today in the commentary. Yep. So Brendan, you wanna take us through that? Day eleven. Not by works, but by faith. In Philippians 3, this otherwise joyous letter takes an ominous turn. 
At the beginning of this chapter, Paul warns his readers about some opponents who might threaten their church. This is not the first nor the last time in this letter that Paul refers to opponents. However, these opponents are unique. Their efforts do not help advance the gospel or give the gospel any opportunity to shine. Instead, they have distorted the message of the gospel, so Paul describes these opponents with his harshest words. He writes in Philippians 3.2, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. The opponents Paul is talking about are Judaizers, Jewish Christian missionaries who taught that Gentile Christians could not be confident in their salvation unless they abided by certain works of the law like circumcision. Using harsh words, Paul points out that their version of the gospel is backwards. First, he calls them dogs, a derogatory term that Jews used against Gentiles because of their unclean mannerisms. This is ironic because although they thought they were helping Gentiles become clean, Paul implies that they were the ones who were actually unclean. Second, he calls them evildoers. This word can also be translated as evil workers. These Judaizers taught that certain works could make people righteous, but Paul implies that their own work resulted in evil. Third, he calls them mutilators of the flesh. Paul makes a great wordplay here. The Greek word for mutilation sounds like the word for circumcision, but elsewhere in scripture this word refers to a pagan ritual. The idea here is that those who circumcise themselves to become part of the family of God are in reality more like pagans who are outside the family of God. Paul's point with all these insults is to emphasize that those who are truly in Christ put no confidence in works like circumcision. Rather, they put their confidence in the cross of Christ. The debate about whether Christians must be circumcised, observe the Sabbath, or keep a particular diet is not as prominent in today's world. However, in our culture, it is still common to think that certain things we do can help us win a better standing before God. Paul's message for us is to hang on to the truth of the gospel message. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing, as Paul wrote in Galatians 2, 16, and 21. For day 11, we're reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Melissa, do you want to take us through our discussion questions for day 11? First question. In today's reading, Paul warns his readers to watch out for those who promote a distorted view of the gospel. How have you seen people distort the gospel in today's world? What are some unnecessary roadblocks to faith that you've seen some Christians create? Have you ever created such a roadblock for yourself or others? Second question, why is it so difficult for us to place our confidence in someone else? Where do you tend to put your confidence if not in Christ?
Okay, lots going on today. Lots. And when you read the scripture, you don't even touch on some of that stuff in the commentary. So there's a lot that Paul is For riffing sure. into here. But my first question is, what's Paul got against dogs? <laughs> what's <laughs> his deal? Why is he most, talking about dogs? The most what's, obvious what's question dogs here. into this? They're what? so sweet. I know. I've only known good boys. You've They're only so known good. Loyal. Did you go to Philippi with us? <laughs> Yeah, I they love loved you. The they were following you around. <laughs> <laughs> they were interrupting they our video recording. They did love us. They were like good boys. Who Tyler just, did not. Well, like I them. just I felt bad because they kept some of our crew our <laughs> decided to pet the stray dogs, thinking they were like tame dogs, our, and then they just like thought they were going to get food from them, so they just kept hanging around. Our one crew member, videographer, is our a one huge crew dog fan. Some of our crew members, our single person <laughs> who was shooting. So like, I didn't want to hurt. I just, yeah, he was too a little yeah. too sweet to fill everybody in. So in Philippi, there are all these wild dogs just running around everywhere. the ancient city. The thing is, you don't see them like anywhere else. Anywhere, just yeah, the it's not just modern towns. It's in the ancient towns. They just um, think I'm going to run through this ancient city of Philippi yeah. and chew on some rocks. Chew on rocks. <laughs> they did. Did you see it? There what? was a dog that chewed he on a rock. He was chewing on a rock. Yeah, and we were like, "What are you doing? <laughs> I did that's not, not see food. that. I was like, "That's ancient Philippi. Yeah. Put it down. Yeah, that, <laughs> you're destroying. That's archaeology. Put that down. Oh man. So there are these dogs running around, and it was really fitting, actually. <laughs> just like you're reading this book that's, you know, where Paul says, beware the dogs. And they were enough, everywhere. Yep, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the question, again, what was the question? <laughs> so we saw them, but why does yeah. Paul hate them? We like dogs in our culture today, but I think we're kind of an anomaly. I mean, hmm. there have been cultures throughout history that have had dogs and kept dogs as pets. But I mean, you travel around the world, there are lots of places where dogs aren't revered at all. Right. I remember going to some places in South America and Central America where there are dogs everywhere. And they're just, you know, they're not pets. People don't keep them as pets. They're running around. And for Jews, to be called a dog was derogatory. They're kind of like road they're kind of like roaming mangy. strays. And they're not like pets. I would not have them in my house. They're in the road and hanging out with the garbage. And yeah, they're nasty. And they eat the garbage. And I think that's a key thing. One reason why Jews specifically didn't like them is because they ate unclean food. And oh, so okay. Jews like purity. You eat certain types of food to stay clean and dogs then become synonymous, especially around Jesus's time, around Paul's time. Dogs become synonymous with Gentiles because they eat unclean food just like the Gentiles do. Hmm. So why is he talking about these other leaders like they are dogs? I mean, you talked about it a little bit in the commentary, but... Yeah. I would love the connection. Basically, around this time in Paul's ministry, there is a group of Christians. We can read about these in several letters, Galatians especially, and also like Acts 15. Basically, there was this idea that Christians struggled with about whether Gentiles could be accepted in the church. Mm -hmm. And if so, what things do they have to do? They have to be circumcised. They mm -hmm. have to keep the Sabbath. These are things that are called works of law. And so there are Jews who had become Christians that followed Paul around in his ministry and promoted this idea that once you're saved, you still have to do these other things. You mm -hmm. have to become these Old Testament yeah. type law things that were established yeah. in. Yeah, things that were specific to the nation of Israel, the ethnic country of Israel. They said, these are things you have to do to become part of the people of God. And basically mm -hmm. Paul's writing back to Philippi saying, hey, these people, either they're already in Philippi or they're coming to Philippi. And he's using these derogatory terms to say, watch out for them. Mm -hmm. And the irony in this is they would be the type of people who would call the Philippians dogs, right? Because they're Gentiles who become Christians, but they're mm. probably still eating unclean food. They may mm -hmm. have not been circumcised. And so Paul says, no, they're actually the dogs. Mm. He's flipping it on he its flips head. It on. Yep. And we yeah. see that in the other things he calls them. So like he calls them evildoers, which could also be translated evil workers. They're people who promote this idea that you have to do these certain works of the law, again, like circumcision, keeping the Sabbath to be saved. Paul says, no, actually they're evil workers because by promoting this 
theology, you're actually undercutting the gospel. Mm-hmm. And same thing with calling them mutilators of the flesh. Yeah, that's like, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that language. Well, like circumcision is like, you know, you're right. cutting the flesh. And he's saying like, if you do that because you think that's going to save you, you're actually doing mutilation. Oh, and this right. is a word that like is used in the Greek Old Testament in Leviticus 21, where it talks about pagans who would cut themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the word he uses here. And he's actually saying, if you do that, you're more like a pagan than you are part of the people of God. So it's really strong language. Interesting. So, I mean, they're not the first leaders in Christian history, or nor will they be the last ones to really become the thing that they say that they're preaching against. Yep. You know, it's a lack of self-awareness that mm-hmm. they're trying to promote one story and yep. actually becoming the very thing that they're fighting against. Yeah, that's the irony here. It's actually what Paul's story is about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about Paul before he became a Christian. He was traveling around with these letters saying, hey, let's kill Christians because I want to preserve whatever God's been doing on earth through Israel. And then he learns, no, actually God's doing something special right now through Jesus. And so Paul is actually, he's learned this lesson for himself and he's trying to teach this to these other people. I think the interesting thing about this is this is not the last time this has happened or will happen mm-hmm. for all of us, right? Paul is trying to catch people up to what Jesus is actually doing in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's not really their fault that these leaders are, you uh-huh. know, contextualizing what they know to be true. Right. In light of Jesus, they're doing their best, but in doing so, they're actually doing yeah. a lot of bad things yeah. by trying to appropriate it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not the last time that's going to I mean, that's the challenge for us today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're always going to be behind what Jesus is doing mm-hmm. in the world. And that allows us to shift and grow and constantly change. And it's once we hang on to the power that we think that we have or the position that we think we have, Mm -hmm. that we start becoming a detriment to the work that Jesus actually is going to be trying to do. I mean, we see stuff like this every single day come out in the media. People who are afraid of the change and are afraid of the work that Jesus wants to do in the world. And that means that they become a detriment to what he actually is hoping to do. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So my next thought is that the second half of the passage, Paul kind of goes on a rant and he talks about all these things that he is or like qualifications he has. Mm -hmm. What does any of this mean? What is he talking about? That's tomorrow's (laughs) podcast. Okay. All right. So we have to wait. (laughs) It's a little tease. And we're teasing. Uh, I mean, let me just give you a a little bit of a glimpse into where we're going. Because this is, you know, we break up the passage in ways that the letter, you know, it's not like Paul said, I'm going to write six verses. I want you to take a pause here. You're going to stop right here. No, I mean, so it's a chapter that has a continuing flow of thought. But basically, he's responding to them. Beginning of verse three, he says, you have all these dogs, these Judaizers who are promoting this works-based theology. And he says, no, we are actually the circumcision. What he means by that is the true circumcision is a circumcision of the heart. Mm -hmm. That's one thing God asked Israel to do. It's like, you're supposed to do this external thing, but I also want you to be circumcised in the heart in the sense that your heart is right. Right. God doesn't care about external things in and of themselves. Like they're form, they're a reflection of what's supposed to be going on internally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the heart is what's supposed to change and not anything external or works or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, so for Israel, the works were a reflection of what was going on inside. And then he goes on to say, we who serve God by his spirit, that word serve, it's actually worship language. Typically the priests Mm -hmm. were the ones who served God. He says, we are the ones who actually serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, who don't think that these fleshly things can save us. And then he turns it. He says, though I myself have reasons Mm -hmm. for such confidence. Basically, his point that he's making here is that if anyone has reasons to be confident that they can be saved by works of law, by things that they can sort of control Mm -hmm. by themselves, he's top of the list. And then he lists off all these things. He Mm -hmm. was circumcised on the eighth day. He's of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, meaning he's like among the educated elite, and as for zeal, persecuting the church. 
which sounds bad to us, but like in a Jewish framework that says you are passionate for God and preserving what God has done, he's done all this perfectly. And it's also not coincidental that he lists seven things because seven's a great number biblically. Mm -hmm. So that's his point. He's saying like, if anybody has confidence, I have reason, more reasons to be confident. But then he goes on, we'll discover tomorrow. And he says, but whatever I consider gains, I actually consider a lot. These things actually mm -hmm. hold me back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the confidence that we put in people mm -hmm. is really what he's sort well, of fighting against, right? Well, not just people, but in confidence ourselves. in, well, anything, but the things that we think we can control are things that we think can save us. Yeah. The things that are outside of God, I guess. Mm -hmm. mm. Like a works-based kind of thing. Which makes sense for us because it's easier to do that because these tangible, real things, like checklists are much easier mm -hmm. to do than oh, yeah. the intangible things of putting all your confidence in Jesus. Yeah, I've done this, 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 right. I'm good. We even still do that as Christians today. Like I believe I got my faith or I got that done, check, baptize, repent, all these sorts of things. But like faith, this is what I think we get wrong about faith. We think of faith as like this one time yes. And I feel like I say this a lot, but it's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's a decision you make each and every day, all your life to say yes to Jesus. It's really allegiance. It's this idea that I'm gonna continue to trust and be on his side and know that he is Lord mm -hmm. of the universe. And so he's someone worth listening to. That's what faith is. And that's not something you can check off. I have a friend on staff that he always says, check your heart. And it's kind of one of those things of like, as you're doing, as you're serving, as we're reading God's word and, you know, is our motive that of like, our hearts are in the right place of what we're doing. And it's kind of funny because, you know, we joke about it, but I think that is one of the hardest things to do is to actually stop and listen and be still and really think about like what your heart wants or what the motives are behind what you're doing to follow Christ. Why is that so hard? Man, <laughs> I think because we go on our daily lives and we're just distracted by so many things. I mean, even now, I feel like you can't go anywhere without somebody having like headphones in, music on, they're looking at their screens on their phones. Instagram and has ads that are targeted right to me. Yes, because exactly. Because they are like probably listening to me. <laughs> Probably conversations. <laughs> the big brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it really takes discipline to just stop in your day and just really reflect on where you are in your relationship with God, where you are with your heart and why you do the things that you do. And sometimes that can be scary to stop and really reflect on where am I with Jesus? Like, mm. I know I've been a Christian for this long, but like, how am I loving him and others well? How am I like following his word? How am I yeah. growing to look more and more like him? Mm -hmm. And the thing I would add to this, mm -hmm. like that makes this all difficult is like, we like to be in control. Oh, for sure. And so that's what <laughs> makes this persistent faith too, where like you're continually saying yes to Jesus. That's always saying, I'm not in control. If anyone did a work that can save us, it's Jesus. It's his yeah. work that saved us. Right. And so if it takes us out of the driver's seat and says, I'm mm -hmm. gonna trust that you're able to do this. And that's hard because we like to be in control in our culture. Right. I think for me, faith is like less about every morning waking up and being like, yes, this. Mm -hmm. And it's more about the daily, like there's some ambiguity to it, right? It's I'm wrestling with this now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hope that there's an answer for it that Jesus has for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I get it today, you know, yeah. maybe you have to wander through the wilderness a little bit to mm -hmm. figure that stuff out. Yeah. And to think that we're going to ever have all the right answers yeah. is also a little bit naive, right? That's why faith is what it is. Faith is not knowing everything. The only person who can know everything is God. He's exactly. objective. He's outside. Yeah. He can watch. We can't. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can have assurance, but you're not going to have full knowledge. Yeah. Because honestly, it's easier without it. Mm -hmm. If this is my first time talking about this stuff, though, mm -hmm. yeah. this all seems a little bit bickery. Yeah. 
What is bickery? Bickering. <laughs> oh, bickering. I thought it said like bickery, said like hickory. I did say bickery. <laughs> sounds like uh, something you put in your coffee. Can like you put a little bickery in your coffee? Chicory. Some sort of spice. Chicory. Oh, okay. Chicory. Okay. But you know what I mean? It sounds like they're kind of bickering sure. a little bit. And it's also a little bit confusing outside of knowing the full reason why Paul yeah. would create this delineation between yeah. people who are quote unquote Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's interesting because we've talked a lot about unity. Right? right. That's a big theme in the letter. Mm-hmm. And so here it seems that you have Christians who are divided. And Paul's like trying to say, hey, you guys should be united, but I'm going to call out these people. And right. I think what we have to keep in mind is like, I think in Christianity, we have these things that we can sometimes call essentials. And we have these things that are called non-essentials. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that Paul emphasizes, we can't get wrong is the gospel. There are these opponents he meets that he talks about throughout the book. And he calls them out, but what's interesting is they all actually help advance the gospel in really weird, interesting ways. Like mm-hmm. there are these preachers who are speaking out against him while he's in prison, which you know we never see in our culture today. Preachers demeaning other preachers, but no, no, never. that would yeah. never, no, that never happen. Mm-hmm. I've not seen that in the last week, at least. <laughs> yeah, but he rejoices actually over it because even in their preaching, they're still preaching Christ. Right. Some, there's some good coming out of it. Right yeah. here, he's like these specific opponents in Philippians 3 are undermining the gospel. Mm -hmm. There's nothing they're doing that helps it. And so because that's so critically important, Mm -hmm. he calls them out. He says, this is something we take a stand on, the Mm -hmm. gospel. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about the like Mm -hmm. dogs thing, the dogs metaphor is like, it's not just in the church. I mean, look at leadership of anywhere in any country Mm -hmm. across the whole world. It's deeply flawed because people become the thing they swore to fight against. And I mean, it really is a slippery slope. I don't think anybody goes into it intentionally wanting to. And I think we can call out other people, but we have to be careful to see where we are. We're not doing that ourselves. That's human nature, right? When you're given power. Yeah. Yeah. Power's it feels good. Power corrupts, mm-hmm. you know, and it does corrupt. And you kind of feel untouchable when you're at the top. Sure. And if you start to lose that power, mm-hmm. it definitely makes you uncomfortable and you'll become combative. It's just what you do. Right. Yeah. Man, that's human history. You watch it all through the centuries. You see it in all the history books, and then you see yep. it in the world today, too. Well, the nice thing is, too, we've come a long way with dogs. <laughs> we have. Well, yeah. We've domesticated them. They're and the now best. They're, I mean, yeah, now they're just good boys waiting for us when we come home. Mm-hmm. And they're no longer street garbage. As Brendan said, those are Brendan's words. I love dogs. So (laughs) we can do this with the Judaizers too. Judaizers? Judaizers. We can do this for the Judaizers too. We can domesticate them, bring them back into the the right standing. Don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I feel Uh, like. I mean, I I do think that's the goal. I feel like Guy can redeem anything, even the, the street dogs. Yeah, I mean, that's what you see in Acts 15, actually. You have these Jews have a really difficult discussion about how do we deal with this? Mm -hmm. And some people, like, they're on different sides. And at the end, they came to an agreement. Like, Mm -hmm. they had a come-to-Jesus moment and said, here's what really matters. And I think that's what, as Christians, we ought to do, too. But it's really tough. I think that's the ultimate thing, though. We'll probably talk about this tomorrow because that's the name of the day. But this is what we're (laughs) focusing on all week, really, is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you come back to it, all the other stuff falls away. All the noise, all the requirements Mm -hmm. falls away when you focus on the things that are most important. Yep. And it's the work that Christ did on the cross first. Right. And the fact that, I mean, God loves us all the same, you know? I think even when we're not serving Him well, when we're not loving others well, when we're not following exactly what He's calling us to do, there's still grace and mercy for us. So how much more should we show that grace to other people? Thanks for joining us today for the Journey Through Philippians podcast. 
to check out even more resources like videos from Philippi, children and family resources, and ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org. And follow us on Instagram at willowcreeknS. Be sure to share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.